Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring sports journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and beside me is my co-host and resident Mets fan, Nathan Lannon. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. A little nervous, but I'm doing good. Yes, it is a lot nerve-wracking, and yeah. you know our hearts are pumping. This is the first episode. <laughs> and as it is the first episode of the podcast, it's important to address how the show is going to be run. We plan to upload episodes twice a week discussing a range of topics. As we are still in the preseason, we are talking about much more grandiose topics, but as we transition closer to opening day, it will be a lot more of current events. In this episode, the main topic of discussion will be the current state of baseball. What's going right, what could be better, and what we would do if we were in the commissioner's chair. Now, Nate, do you have any opening remarks or anything that you want to start with about the current state of baseball? Yeah, I wanted to start with, uh, I wanted to start talking about uh, Commissioner Manfred, mm. because I, I think it's, it, like, he, I, I feel like he has got to be one of the, like, of the four commissioners of the four major sports, I feel like he's certifiably the worst. <laughs> and yeah. that's saying a lot because in the NHL, you have Gary Bettman and, and Roger Goodell still calls the shots in the NFL. So it's it says a lot that he's still that bad. I think the thing that always strikes me about him, or the message that's always sent to me about Manfred the most and why he's not, uh, shall we say, like super on it is that it was in 20 it was his addressing of the 2017 Astros cheating scandal and how other than and like a year long suspension of uh AJ Hinch and um oh God, why does Cora. His name? Cora. Alex Cora yeah AJ Hinch and Alex Cora like uh, I mean there's been a lot there's like, been a other lot other than that he hasn't really done anything he called the World Series trophy like a piece of metal which I mean like that's <laughs> it's pretty bad I mean you're the like how, how did sport. he think, how did he think that was gonna go over I know? don't know what like, he was thinking but I mean even throughout like all this time as a commissioner like how many scandals have we had we've had the Astros and yeah. potentially the Red Sox listen I'm a Red Sox fan so right. I'm gonna stay with my team but there was something <laughs> going on there. Uh, right now, the breaking news and the, the biggest story of this offseason is really the pitchers using a foreign substance, yeah. right? Since he's come to the league, the balls have been juiced. Pitchers are being suspected of, or allegedly, they're, they're using a foreign substance to get a better grip on the ball. I mean, you watch Trevor Bauer's numbers. I'm, there's a bunch of videos out there that talk about him and his RPMs going up rapidly after making a tweet that if he was using a foreign substance, he could get 400 more RPMs on his fastball. And the next season, he gets 300 added RPMs on his fastball. is pretty suspicious. I think yeah. that he's making a claim. Everybody's using it in the MLB, and it's going to be interesting to see how like Rob Manfred tackles this lawsuit that's going on with them. And, you know, I just don't think he does the right job. I don't think he really cares for the sport. I mean, he's just like the he owner's just... puppet. Yeah, he, he really, he, it, it almost seems like he's just kind of there. He doesn't really do anything. He doesn't grow the sport at all. He doesn't really, like, he, he just, it, again, he's just there. Like, he's just there for the owners and players to just sit there while the owners and players feud and kind and not really do anything, but, like, get, and, and, even, and even when he does something, like, it's genuinely, like, it, like I, I can't think of a move he's made or a decision he's made 
that wasn't like universally panned like <laughs> yeah um i know with the with what he's been doing and all that and growing the game is i think when we talk about the current state of baseball mm. we talk about a sport that is generally speaking dying in the public eye and it's not <laughs> having as much of an impact on the american culture anymore yeah. i mean when we talk about growing the game we talk about viewership numbers we talk about how long the games are pace of play has been something that has been talked about for years now since manfred's come into commissioner chair and and there's been done a bunch of different things pitch clocks and all that and i don't know i don't know where i stand on all of it i just know that there's so much that needs to be done that could be done better to grow the game yeah i i think i think to your point about the pace of play i, I feel like a part of it is like lost my train of thought for a second um like, I feel like adding, like, I've seen, like, I think last season was a good way to test a few gimmicks to, like, adjust the pace of play. Like, I, I but they didn't really do too much with it. Like, the I, I liked the Universal DH. I don't know why they're not doing that this season. It, like, I, I don't know why they're not doing the Universal DH. That's, like, a, it was a good move. And now and, and like it, it, especially like i know 60 games is a small sample size but now you've got teams in the nl like trying to figure it try, like they all have to adjust their rotations now like again you're making right, them like adjust people, on the teams dime. built their rosters yeah. last season you going about the universal dh yeah like a player like marcelo zuna was picked up for that braves roster specifically so he could be a dh and he would have a impact on the team in the playoffs right and now it's like, and now, and I feel like a good example is like with the Mets, with the emergence of Dom Smith last season, like at first base, like if you put him in at first base, then like, like cause Pete Alonso is great, but like, you're not going to like, but defensively he, he, he wasn't Dom Smith. So you put in Dom at first, you put in Dom Smith at first base, like Pete Alonso would slight slot right in there at DH and it would just be perfect because he's an absolute slugger. But now it's like now the Mets have to like again they have to adjust so quickly because of like it seems really knee jerk right? right like to just have it and then suddenly next season when it's a slight step towards normalcy to take it away but which would be okay but you're adding more stuff like like in the extra like like uh, extra inning games with like runners on second. Yeah. Like, you're adding... It'd be one thing if you were just ret reverting to complete normalcy, but you're not, because you're still adding random stuff. So it's, it just doesn't make sense to me to get rid of the universal DH. I don't know where I stand on it, because there's a lot of ethical things. Like, we think about baseball, like, oh, but there's the difference of the NO, the strategy. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I'm kind of tired of watching pitchers take at-bats and making a yeah. whiff at a baseball or the occasional excitement when they get yeah. a single. I mean... I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I think that if we're going to be talking about balls in play, and I think that is a big thing when you talk about pace of play, I don't think it's about how long the games are. I think it's the amount of times that the ball is in play, in action, right? And when you have pitchers taking ABs and they're bunting, moving runners over, sure, there's a strategy aspect to it. But you're that, how exciting is that? When you have a DH in the lineup, you have another guy that could be impactful in the batter's box. Right, and I think I think that's a huge aspect of the universal DH. I don't know. I feel like so. What do you think of like the shift? What, what do, you what do I think the about shift? the shift? Yeah. The defensive shift. 
I honestly believe that the infield should be limited to two players aside. I, I think I think we're taking away a lot of different aspects of the game. Like if we're gonna be playing this game of baseball where it's home run or strikeout and, and that's the current ideology of baseball, then we shouldn't take away so many base hits that are in play. Like there's so many times that a player will hit one into the into one of the holes and it will just there would just be a person there. And there's a strategy aspect to it, of course. Once again, with that, with the pitchers batting, the shift, there's so much strategy to baseball. And I think it is good to have intricacies. But in player engagement and fan engagement, I don't see a lot of people looking at a ground ball in the shift and being like, wow, that was amazing. They yeah. just made that play. What they do like seeing yeah. is players that run out into the hole and then they'll dive and they'll make a grab and that's a saving that's saving a single rather than saving a single with sort of management type deal yeah i i feel like i mean the shift's not exactly like exciting obviously it's i mean there's certainly strategy to it like with the world series like there was an article in sporting news where it was like described like the world series of the dodgers and rays being two of the heaviest shift teams in baseball being essentially where like quote like ground balls go to die so it's like like I, I cert- it's not exactly like, uh, it, like it's not exactly exciting, but I, I feel like there, I feel like it definitely is value. Like especially with how the game does is trending more, just strikeouts and homers. I feel like it's good to j- like it's not again, it's not exciting, but I feel like there's definitely a place for it. <laughs> you see, uh, you see the big poppy statement when they were when he was talking about it. I forget what article or who wrote it, but it was like. He just said this. This shit is straight up boring. He said this shit is straight <laughs> yeah. up boring. Baseball now is boring, and he talked about. It's funny coming from a guy like Big Poppy, yeah. who is uh, it's really universally he's he's yeah. a, he's a, he's a home really run ironic. hitter, yeah. but I mean he's also a big doubles guy. And he was like, "We're teaching kids to go for the long ball every single time, hmm. and that's what like they get paid for. Sure, that's what people are getting paid for. But we're gonna have less of like." pure hitters in the MLB as we transition further because people just want to hit home runs now. Yeah. I, I feel like, like it's, it's becoming like more that I feel like, so yeah. So do you think the shift towards more, towards like more home runs versus home runs and strikeouts versus like, uh, base hits or like all that do you think that's good for the sport that it's shifting more towards home runs or do you think it's a problem like no i think it's a hell of a problem i i feel like when you're talking about momentum of a game like the build up in every rally when you have like multiple hits multiple runners on base i mean there's so many in-game scenarios that we're missing out on that are so that happened so frequently in the past now that we're just going and strikeout rates are through the roof walk rates are through mm. the roof and home runs are through the roof because the balls are juiced for sure yeah the balls are juiced for sure there's no there's nothing that you can say that can refute that especially after a study that was done with triple a and like their home run numbers went up like 200% after using a new baseball that was used in the MLB mm. so they obviously are there's something that they're doing to the balls that are making them jump out of the yard farther. And and I guess in a way the home run is like, Oh, people love watching home runs, but I think the lack of balls in play, the lack of players getting um, really strong ABs and getting singles and doubles and watching them run. I mean, that's the athletic part of baseball and you're taking out so much of it. 
like I, I also feel like it's it's a way to like it, it's a way to create just even more inaction. Like when you're when like watching the games, like as if everything's gonna be a strikeout or a home run. It's like all your action comes in short bursts. Mm-hmm. So it's like. So there's like that short dopamine hot that short like that one's dopamine there's like that short high of like oh shit here comes a home run and it's like okay that's cool but there's not as much and, and then like a strikeout it's <laughs> and then like, you get to watch them run around the bases for like 40 yeah. seconds and then we'll wait a while until the next pitch to the next AB maybe yeah. there'll be a pitcher's change well that's a big topic yeah. yeah that's a big topic how do you feel about I personally don't like the three batter minimum hmm. I I do like that strategy of like this guy's a lefty specialist. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put this lefty specialist in for one in for one batter. This one lefty that's really yeah. tough. It's real tough out, and mm-hmm. he doesn't do good against lefties. And then take him out for the next pitching change. I don't have a problem with that one mm-hmm. personally. I d- I think the three batter minimum isn't a bad thing. I don't think it's hindering so many players, and I don't think that it's it's changing too much of the game, especially because. Once the inning's over, the next inning can start with another pitcher. They don't have to pitch three outs every time. They just, if they start an inning, they do need to get three outs. Or if they're in the middle, they have to get three outs before they can be taken out again. I don't have that much of a problem with it, but I think it is important to know. Mm. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it I mean, what, what do you think taking out the three batter minimum would do? Like, what, what, what effect do you think that would have? I don't think it would have too much of an effect. Yeah. I, I think it would it would make uh first off, a lot of the like, specialists are, are like yeah. a lot of the specialists didn't have as much of like a big role in the bullpens. So they lost a lot of like um money that they probably or value that they had because people knew that this guy really pitches against left handed hitters really well. This is what he's really good at. And this is what we use him for. But now with the three batter minimum, he's losing out on potential contracts because, well, can he pitch against the righty? Right. I I feel like, do you think, I feel like taking out the three batter minimum would like, do you, how how would you, how do you think that affects like the strategy, like the the strategy aspect of the game? Because I feel like taking that out would make it like really easy to, I, I feel like with that, uh, would that like make it easier to like just swap between pitchers constantly, like or, or, or like late in games, like you just like you could as you could basically like how realistic would it be to like, do you think to like have pitchers come in for one batter that they match up well against? Like, do I you mean, think, what with, do you think the effect of that would be like on the game? With the expanded roster up to twenty six, you're able to have another reliever in the pen. Mm. Personally, I'm a huge guy that likes really strong bullpens i know i'm a red Sox fan we don't have that strong oh, of a bullpen that's bullpen's not much better it's, <laughs> it's really not it's not a tire but it's at not least we're complete, both not the phillies yeah at least we're not the phillies that's <laughs> my god but they i mean were, i uh, just a side that i think is really funny they had the worst the second worst mlb uh, uh bullpen era in mlb history yeah. Behind only the Phillies of 1930 last season, which is yeah, exactly. just least, hilarious. At least the Red Sox like, aren't the Phillies. Yeah. But, I mean, I really appreciate really strong bullpens like the like the Rays built and that took them to the World Series. Yeah. What do they call that? What do they call it? They called it like... Oh, God. I don't remember. Oh, my God. The, the Corral? No. I don't remember the exact name that they called them, but it was, it was interesting. I, I think... And it, uh, I don't think a lot of people talk about bullpens. 
I think bullpens is a part of the game that a lot of people, they see starters, but bullpen pitchers, relief pitchers, don't get talked to enough unless they're a closer. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't get the big money unless you're they a closer. Don't, they don't get the money. They don't get the attention. They're, they're, ju- they're like, the stopgap. And I, I feel like, uh, like, 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 I feel like the Phillies are just a really good example, are probably the best example in modern history that I can think of of just how valuable the, the bullpen is, because... Like that hitting core, that hitting core, that that lineup is a murderer's row. Even now, still, it's pretty batters. decent. It's it's a murderer's row, and it just and they and the, and hell, they had a great starting rotation too of like with Nolan Eflin and all them. And it's like, so it's like, and it's just they the fact that they were they still couldn't get over five hundred, even even in sixty games with that like bad of a like that bad of a bullpen hindered that core that much like that production and even as a fan of a division rival should be competing for a world series not struggling to get over 500 like the, <laughs> yeah. the fact that they still miss the like the giants made Bryce Harper and JT like, Realmuto how much money they're spending on just yeah. those two players what what was Realmuto's contract this offseason I don't like, I think it was 115 right yeah it was like I think it was like 5 years 115 is uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was five years, one hundred fifteen million. How much have the Phillies spent on player salary? I don't know, years? but it's I mean, like there's not they're five hundred million, and I think it was five hundred million the past two seasons, and then adding in Real Muto, that's it's just completely absurd. Players get paid in baseball. Yeah, they do. I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. I'm not saying that's <laughs> absurd. I'm saying like the amount of money the Phillies have spent in the past three se- three or so seasons alone to barely straddle 500 is kind of insane but i mean like, <laughs> look at a team like the dodgers spending about what i think their payroll is about gonna yeah. be 250 million yeah that's like what what i think that's 40 million over luxury tax yeah. which also luxury tax there's not a lot of play teams that go over it and like teams that do like are close to luxury tax like they don't get punished that much but the players or the teams that are going to be over there multiple years like take those trades like the red sox took that mookie Betts trade yeah. to, to stay underneath or to reset their luxury tax really yeah the dodgers are 200 their total payroll is 238 million dollars and then they're like 45 million over the luxury tax, <laughs> it's crazy right just nuts and then like, you have a team like the pirates yeah. who are going to have a payroll of maybe 40 million this year <laughs> Look at the discrepancy. Yeah. Look how big that is. So it kind of begs the question nuts. is, do we need a salary cap in baseball? Does baseball need a salary cap? Do we need a salary floor? Because there's a lot of cheapskate owners. And if you guys know about the Seattle Mariners president and the yeah. Rotary Club, mm. oh my God, what a, what, first off, what an interview. Mm. What an strange appearance from him because there is no president of an operation that has ever just sat there and just been like we're cheap and that's how we like to play baseball these players that are prospects aren't gonna be up because we don't think they should because mlb service it's it's like in no other sport are you gonna hear a team president of any team or, or or hell even like any front office official on any team admit that they're cheap you're not like even the worst gms on some of these teams like the Ernie Grunfelds before he was fired in Washington with the Wizards, or like, oh, who's a bad football GM? It was oh God. 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. The point is, even the worst, you'd never ever hear them say, "Yeah, we're cheap. We're not going to spend. We're not going to. We're not going to do our best to make sure we have a baseball team that competes." You'll you, never hear that. The guy said in the interview himself, "What's the biggest like concern for this season?" And what he said was that he his employees had to park really far away from the stadium so that they could have like more parking for other like fans right and he was like oh well they park in a very like bad area you know so i'm a little worried about that like why don't you just let your employees park by the ballpark yeah. how hard is that really like come on like these teams like it, it's like i feel like the penny pinch that's the thing though i feel like the penny pinching in the mlb is worse than pretty much any other sport well, I like, mean, you, you talk about I mean, minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, you talk yeah. about their signing bonuses. You talk about their contracts. Most of them have to use, like have another job as well as playing baseball, a professional sport. Like, I mean, you're hindering a lot of different players because unless you get a big signing bonus in the MLB, you're high draft pick or you're an international free agent that was really, really, like, had a lot of potential, you're not going to be able to live off of that. Yeah. You're not going to live off of that salary that you get paid in the minor leagues. And even when you make it to the major leagues, you need three years of service time until you're on arbitration. It's like, I, I, in short, I feel like there, there does need to be a salary cap. I don't, the, the only problem is like, because the, because the, like Fernando Tatis's contract, like that's not even like a, a big salary wise thing. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty big. Hell, you forget about salary cap. Like, how about like a cap on the length of these contracts? Because fourteen years—that's basic. Like, for those he's just finished his second season. Fourteen years could be his entire career. For those of you that don't like, know that's... context, Fernando Tatis Jr. got a fourteen-year uh, deal with yeah. the Padres, and a lot of these players are getting such long deals. Mike Trout locked up for how many years? Twelve years. Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper was 13, thirteen years. Yeah. Mookie Betts another. What was that? Twelve-year contract. I want to say like ten or twelve. I mean, these players are locked up for a long time. But yeah, twelve-year, three hundred sixty-five million dollars. What we learned this off-season is that doesn't really not not every contract matters like that. Because Arenado signed a major deal with yeah. the <laughs> Rockies, and, and they they traded him. Se- yeah, just a few. How many seasons after that deal was he traded? Oh, I don't know. Like two seasons, I want to say. No, like. Yeah, like so. That's the thing. Like, at what? Like, it's it's such a like a. I feel like it's just such a, a bad bet to sign players, that that far down the line. Yeah. Because like obviously, barring freak injuries, I don't think players like Mookie Betts or Fernando Tatis Jr. are gonna decline super rapidly. But at the same time, like eventually they'll reach a point. The, like, because Fernando Tatis is going to be on that contract till he retires, most likely. <laughs> yes. So it's like, at some point, that contract is going to become unmovable. Like, it, like when he, like, at some point, that contract will become completely unmovable. Like, and you'll, they'll just be stuck with, like, it, it obviously it won't be soon, barring yeah. any, any, some horrible accident, but like, it's, it's still like, what is, like, they're taking, I feel like it's taking a big risk to have... I think there needs that to be more payroll locked up that far down the road. I think there needs to be more team ops because I mean yeah. you I mean we're talking about these long-term contracts but one of the biggest free agents Trevor Bauer signed a 3-year deal mm. and after the second year if he doesn't play well the team can opt out of his contract. Yeah. And honestly like 
that's not a bad move. I think more teams need to have more team opts um, with these long-term deals where they can decide, like, if they're not playing up to par, they can just cancel the contract. Yeah, how... On that point, how many opt-outs does Tatis Jr.'s contract have? I don't, I don't like, even remember. Does it have any? I don't know if it has any. I know it has a no-trade clause, but yeah. I don't exactly know what his contract is to completion, but it's super interesting to me. And, and even then, it's not even like these mega contracts are super new. When was Cano, Robinson Cano signed to his mega extension with the Mariners? I don't know. Like that was... Funny enough, the Mariners aren't that great. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're not. Oh, obviously. <laughs> they're a questionable team in the MLB, yeah. but hey, they got a nice outfield that's about to come up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it was 2014. Yeah, ta- yeah. Cano's locked up for $24 million a year until 2024. And so he actually has lost out, what, two of those yeah, he contracts? Lost out because... two, of those se- two of those season salaries because of PEDs. Yeah. So. Kind of yeah. ruins his... uh. His reputation, you know, I yeah. think there's a lot of people that enjoy Robinson Cano on the field mm. and we're really big fans of him. And then, and then he does stuff like this, and it makes it hard for you to. It you makes know, it hard to root for him, yeah. especially as a Mets fan. It's like, I w- you know what's funny was that trade. I was like that trade. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, tell me about trade. it, Mets fan. I was actually. I I feel like I don't remember if I was in the minority or not liking that trade, but I liked it. I thought getting Edwin Diaz like. Giving up uh, Kalenchich, I thought that was a little... That, I felt like... That, that you was had like, just drafted that guy, we had, too. Yeah, we had just drafted him six overall and traded him six overall, I and think. Now, and traded him to the Mariners. Looking now back on it... Top Garrett... five prospect. Cano's not playing. And Edwin Diaz had an absolutely horrendous first season in New York. And the guy that you guys traded in that scenario was Jared Kalenic, who's you yeah. know five top five prospect now. Yeah. And I think what was interesting about him, and interesting when we talk about the current state of baseball, is that when he was drafted, he had a YouTube channel, and he was uploading videos like what it's like, what what my celebration is of getting drafted. Here's what my routines are and stuff like that. And I think we're getting a lot of that when we talk about momentum right now, mm. momentum baseball with Trevor Bowers, yeah, uh, I was gonna make that point. vlogs and everything that he's doing. I think that's great for the game. I think the inside view is what a lot of fans are missing out on and because when you look at the NFL have you seen NFL films i yeah. mean they're produ- they're producing like a video a video doc yeah. a week they've got they've always got some like it's not even like something that like NFL films it's not even like something that people pick up on a ton like at least but it's still something it's still neat like it's still like an interesting look i feel like more of that needs to be done in the MLB like there needs to be more look, look. interesting content and to the point about Trevor Bauer I'm still a little sore about Bowser. <laughs> I'm still a little yeah, sore. I get but, that. But it's like I, I will say I do I do agree with you that this con- that the content is like like players creating content like that is good for the game. I feel like in terms of accessibility and in terms of like uh, growing it and reaching out to a bigger audience, it's better. It's pretty good for like it's really good for that. Like if more like more like imagine if more higher like more elite players did that. Like if someone like because uh, uh, that's the thing some players are pretty reserved i mean but, what, like the, the beauty of momentum right now yeah. is that we have they have so many different people making content so they have yeah. their hurt uh trevor bauer's agent rachel rachel luba yeah rachel yeah. luba making vlogs about her experience as an agent she's managing puig she's managing i don't know how many people she is agent for but i mean there's a good amount of people that she is covering 
and obviously that transparency with the trevor bauer um i know you might be a little hurt <laughs> after he posted the, those things yeah. about the mets yeah with the yeah that whole thing that the whole hat saga with the merchandise on his website he came out with some like big apology for it after Mets fans felt really sc- like played out the scorned lover angle a lot which inside I thought that was hilarious but, <laughs> but like but it, it, he came out with some big apology and was like oh it was my marketing team like we hadn't made a decision they jumped the gun a little marketing. like essentially like it's like I get it look at like, Trevor Bauer the, building his brand though we're talking about marketing players yeah. there's different minor leaguers in momentum that have vlogs that go up weekly yeah. minor leaguers mm. that are showing us their experience they had a guy that was um in the Mexican league and they gave a vlog to him for every week he would have an upload that would be showing his experience in the Mexican fall league or whatever it's called and then that's something that we don't see in baseball. It's an experience that we'd never get to hear about. Yeah. And I think the best team that makes good content is the Dodgers. And I, I think it's an LA thing. Their yeah. market is bigger, but their cinematography. I mean, they're literally Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Their cinematography, when we talk about backstage Dodgers, then the access they give us. I mean, I'm talking about two years ago when I was just learning about who the heck Alex Verdugo was mm. before the big trade that he was a part of sending him to the Red Sox. I mean, I saw those I saw those vlogs or those videos, docs that they uploaded to Backstage Dodgers, and I felt like I knew him as a who he was, his personality on and off the field before even him getting traded and him even exploding onto the uh, onto the field. Yeah. And I think there needs to be more of that. There needs to be more content that is released about what happens out off the field. Yeah. I, oh, I completely agree with you. Like, I think you made a really good point about the Dodgers and how, like, I feel like I'm more familiar with a whole lot of Dodgers players, like who they are, what their vibe is, like what who they are. I mean, they're stars. And people. They're, stars, they're not just sure. World Series. Right. They're all pretty much stars at this yeah, point. They are. But like at the same time, and it'd be hard not like as a fan of the game, it'd be hard not to know them because they're the defending champs. They've got some of the most, they do have some of the most marketable players in the game anyway. But even then, it still feels like I know Cody Bellinger, someone like Cody Bellinger or Trevor Bauer or Mookie Betts better than I know, like better than I know similar stature players on any other team just because of the content i mean they gave an entire episode on backstage dodgers to will smith who was at the time a backup catcher and i felt like i knew who he was because they gave an episode he walked off so the story is that they had like at a three out of four games they had walk-offs all by rookies Hmm. all by different rookies and i think it was verdugo will smith and then another rookie that came up and i can't remember who it is but i they gave an entire series to those players and I knew who they were and they were prospects coming up. I mean, imagine all these prospects getting their own little like segment that each team could upload on their YouTube channels. Mm. And I think, I don't know, there's so much wrong with how baseball is marketed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, today, so for y'all of you that don't know, we're recording this on the first day of spring training, the first uh, day of games of spring training. And I can't watch the Red Sox because they don't have any video. All, you, all I can do is listen to it and follow it online. I mean, if you talk about wanting to grow the game and sh- like 
be bigger than all these right. other major sports yeah. why are we getting so many blackouts why can't i watch exactly. my favorite team play exactly think about how like i think that's another thing to the point of a accessibility and b what baseball is losing to other sports i feel like the biggest answer to what it's losing is accessibility both li like literally as in this as in watching games is harder to access than in any other sport and b accessibility as in the, how the game is less accessible to a larger audience now and like and that's the thing mlb tv being behind such a paywall dude i, I looked like, at it this morning yeah it's exor the price is completely if i wanted to get it's, every team and it says in parentheses yeah. or it says in um yeah it puts in parentheses no blackouts on it i guarantee you there's blackouts. yeah there's gonna be, it's like it's not real like mlb tv is not reliable if a game is gonna be pricey, on mlb network like, if a game is broadcasted on mlb network you won't get the yeah. you won't be able to watch it on mlb tv yeah. which is crazy to me because people are paying a hundred and thirty dollars for that and subscription exactly what's for the, the season? issue here like why are like you're... Why can't I watch my favorite yeah. team play? So if it's on, that's the thing. If it's on MLB Network anyway, why not just have it on on MLB TV? Like, because if you're gonna have the game on MLB Network, what's the point of also not putting it on MLB TV? Like making them go out of making them go out of their work. Like, because if you're paying for MLB TV, it's what it is. Like you're getting what you're paying for, but at the same time, it's like why, bo like why bother? shifting it out like why bother you're blocking off so yeah. many think like when we talk about games being on tv and having the younger fans of the game and growing the game look at the nfl look at nba nba has g league games on twitch tv they have games broadcasted on twitch i think they've had a couple nba games yeah. on twitch and the nfl <laughs> they have a playoff game a yeah. playoff game they had two playoff games on nickelodeon on I think, nickelodeon yeah, they, they were doing this thing with cbs doing like simulcasting on nickelodeon where both the wild card round between the bears and saints and then the super bowl was simulcast on nickelodeon because they because of cbs's deal with them so it's like the N say what you want about the NFL and who's running the show over there. They're at least effective at bringing the game to their audience. <laughs> like, I like, just want to watch my team play and I can't. And then expanding it. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, you just can't. You can't watch your team play. It makes it super yeah. difficult. And we let the kids play. We want to have all these different youngins get into the game and get into sports. But it's not marketable. Mm. Kids aren't watching baseball and think aren't well they aren't able to they're just not able to watch baseball in comparison to other sports right and it's like like it, it, the accessibility thing it's like so what do you think the mlb so if you were in manfred's shoes what's yeah. like the first step you'd take blackouts to For, fixing yeah blackouts they gotta go they gotta go we have to be able to market players and i think marketing players in mlb is super <laughs> difficult because you look at a player like LeBron James and how much he impacts a game versus right. how much you, Mike Trout could impact a game. Mike Trout only gets four at-bats a game, yeah. generally. Just yeah. generally, he gets four at-bats a game. Uh, you look at Jacob deGrom, he can only pitch like one so out of five days. Yeah. He only pitch but, one out of five days, and then he doesn't pitch. And then most of the time, he's not pitching the entire game anyway. So it's like... so the, the, I would the put all is, my... He impact the marketable players... Not not only because the MLB like baseball is a game in in a way where one or two elite players, unlike the the NBA, like the MLB is in a, a game where one or two elite players 
don't affect don't affect the strength of the team enough right. to like make it good. But like at the same time, you also have to find a line where you're playing them enough to right. market it. And I mean, like... and I, I think if I'm Manfred or if I'm running MLB social media accounts and I'm trying to figure out a way to who who represents the game of baseball right now. I think they're doing it right in the yeah. way that you have to look at Fernando Tatis Jr. You have to look at the way that he plays the game. He's explosive speed. Yeah. He is exciting. He he He's fun. And he is fun. He's super good for the game. That's why I think we need to market around him. And I think we need more players in the sport of baseball like him. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I feel like move like in order to really move the game forward, in order to like Look, in order to move to a better future for the game, you need more players like Tatis who are fun, who are more willing to challenge all these unwritten rules in baseball, who are willing to say, who are willing to hit home runs late in the game, or who are willing to run up the score or whatnot and be unapologetic about it. Because that's yeah. the thing. Like, so ma- I, I think there's more apologies in baseball than I've seen in like any other sport. Like, there's like every time, like, there's always something. There's always some unwritten rule that some young player broke that managers get up in arms about. They're like, "Oh, how could you do this? Mm-hmm. How could you not have been taught better?" And, and, and it's like they, these these kids, they grew up playing. And I think a more fun version of the game that needs to be incorporated into the MLB. Like more think, players like Tatis would just would be great. I think uh, teaching the young is where it starts. And you talk yeah. about unwritten rules of baseball, and I played baseball for many years, yeah. and it was definitely something that you were kind of like. You were taught, you kind of knew what yeah. you shouldn't do and how to respect. And there is a gentlemanship about it and all of that. But go hitting home runs when you're up by a lot is not something that should be enforced, in my yeah. opinion. And talking about having players be taught when they're younger, I think there's a lot of different things the MLB are doing, like the Play Ball Association that are helping players get out to more younger kids. But I think we need more of that. We need more athletes that are big in the game or just any athletes really just reaching out to little leagues and having their own camps, running their own um, programs and just being there for these younger generation of baseball players to grow the game. We need to grow the game. And I think a big part about baseball is it's so international, right? I mean, we talk about how much Latin influence is in the game. Aside from like hockey and that even hardly counts because it's like, because hockey you have like, guys from Canada and different parts of like Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. I'd say where, and it, where it's like more international to some extent, but like with, but yeah, it's hockey and baseball that are really international. And I feel like it, it like in that sense, well, basketball like baseball, is basket, huge. Basketball. Yeah. Basketball huge is overseas. Also, yeah. Basketball is also becoming more international. And like, so, and, and that's something I feel like the MLB should take way more advantage of. And I mean, like, look, I mean, look at the game in countries like Japan Korea, um, Taiwan that's big in, right. in those countries. And then you look at Dominicans like, and the Cu- I mean, hell, Cuba even, yeah, and Puerto Rico. Yeah. Just all those countries. And you look at how they are, like, they have to grow with the game as well. And how they um, develop is so different than the American way, by the way. When they're playing, like, stickball with bottle caps and they don't have gloves and all that and they love the game and that's a culture that is so different that could be like an entire podcast on its own yeah but yeah i mean that is such a big thing and you don't have that america you don't have that culture you don't have a baseball culture anymore it's america's pastime but i feel like nobody talks about it in media right 
I feel like, and, and I feel like something that always really strikes me about that point is like, I, I think of two guys. I think of Ichiro and Shohei Otani. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't think I've ever seen international prospects, like, at least by hyped up as much by fans of the sport. Like, I don't think I've ever seen an international an international prospect yeah. hyped up as much as Shohei Otani in my life. Like, it's, like, I, I mean, Ichiro... He was exciting. Yeah, he's, Shohei he's Otani seen... was exciting. And Ichiro was, came into the league the year I was born, so I, I wouldn't really know much about that. But yeah. I do remember when Shohei Otani came into the league, all the hype surrounding him, all of the hype around, like, oh my god, where is he going to end up? Like, who's he going to end up playing for? Like, In fact... I own a Shohei Otani jersey, so I was part of that hype when that player was coming internationally, and you know, and he was such a two-way player, a mm. super exciting prospect. And I think that is important. That I think growing the game starts with also trying to do internationally and trying to do it in domestically, right? right? And I think the players that, or the people that are getting hired into the commissioner's office now are going to play such a big impact in right. growing the game, growing in the future. Three people that really stuck out to me personally that they hired this offseason, and I don't know if there's more. I haven't really looked too much into it, but Theo Epstein, Rajay Davis, and the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., were all added to be some sort of role in the commissioner's office. And I think those guys are going to play a huge role. I th- no, I think it's really good to that voices that aren't Rob Manfred are going to be in the commissioner's office, and th- like regardless of where they are. But the, the fact that guys who have experience in the game Guys who have experience, like like someone like Theo Epstein, who is, who uh, I mean, look at the helps. track record. Yeah, Curse Breaker, the king yeah, the of Curse Breakers. Break, yeah, the curse, the king of Curse Breakers, Theo Epstein. You've got the kid, the kid. Yeah, it's like, and like I, if you didn't like, watch, for, they're not just big names. They're mm-hmm. names that have provided a lot to the game and should have valuable insight on how to move it forward. And, and, and so yeah. I don't know each one of their roles. I don't know the kid specifically. I don't know what Ken Griffey's going to do. I know that in an interview, Theo Epstein mentioned that he wants to tackle balls in play and making it a lot more interesting for games. And it's super funny because like he kind of birthed that analytical play style in baseball. And now he's like, well, no, it's it really isn't good for the game. And I think another thing is Rajay Davis... Um, so on Trevor Bauer's most recent vlog, he had a conversation with Rajay Davis that he talked about. He, he didn't show it on there, but he talked about how Rajay Davis wants to um, kind of repair the bridges between players and the commissioner's office and their, their relationship with each other, mm. which is super important in my opinion. But I think we need to get some another like big international star name in that commissioner's office. I think that would be really, really helpful. Yeah. I think uh, who who do you have in who do you have in mind for that? I don't like, know. It, there's so there's a lot of legends. It's it really matters. It comes down to ooh. I think what their plans are. I'm not gonna pick it off of popularity alone, but I think that it comes down to a player's initiative and what they want to do internationally and and how they want to grow that game. Right. I think I, I'm someone who's obviously been very outspoken in retirement is David Ortiz. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned him. Yeah. How do you think he would fare in the commissioner's office? Like, I don't know what exactly he's. I mean, he's already trying to build a baseball facility in the Dominican yeah. Republic, and I don't know. I've seen screenshots of the plans. It looks amazing, by the way. Mm. This major sports complex for baseball in the Dominican Republic, and is I think is in his hometown, but. It's it's super important that these players are giving back to their countries for the game of baseball. I mean, they it, 
what baseball gave them, they're trying to give back to their yeah. countries. It's feeding in. It's like it's it's feeding into like this cycle. Like David Ortiz is gonna give back to the Dominican Republic, who can that who then have more. Who are they gonna have more kids that wanna you know get into the game, and they're gonna have more, and you're gonna have more prospects, and it's just it's gonna be this. Like ideally, it's gonna be this like cycle where kids get into the game because of stuff like David Ortiz is doing. And yeah, yeah, and the growing the game, the kids are the future, the players are the future, and that's the future of the game right there. Right. That is the future of the game right there. And I think that's a great place to cap off this podcast. And I think that this discussion went on for a really long time. And in future episodes, we're going to have much, many more topics um, trying to kind of worked into the podcast. Um, but it's such a major topic, this idea of the current state of baseball and where we're at and what we think could be done better. It, it, I think we're going to be talking about it in multiple episodes and it's going to come back as a reoccurring topic. So on that note, thank you for listening to the Two Scene Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the status of the podcast, follow us on Twitter at the Two Scene Pod, and also follow the podcast on Spotify and hopefully Apple Podcasts, and you'll get notified whenever we go and upload a new episode. If you enjoyed our personal takes, follow us on our respective Twitter accounts at Tyler underscore underscore Foy and at Lannon underscore Nate. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you guys next time.